0: second topic one here is that next generation antibodies, biospecifics. Other than that sounds like a Marvel team up. Uh, I don't know what that is. What are next generation antibody biospecifics?
1: Yeah, so it's bispecifics. There's no, Oh, nope. no that's o. all right. That's all right. You, that's all right. Um, so yeah, next generation antibodies, um, you know, again, so like genetic tests can tell us, Hey, maybe you have cancer or guide treatment options, but we have to guide those treatment options. We have to guide people to the treatment, right? Uh, So a lot of drugs in development are targeting a very specific aspect of a cancer. So um, most drugs in development are targeting a specific mutation, and there's a lot to choose from, lots of funny names. Usually they have three or four capital letters, which is the name of the gene, and that's what they're trying to inhibit or target, right? So uh, if investors are looking at pipelines or press releases or presentations, they're going to see, they're probably familiar with some of this terminology. Uh, next generation antibodies are very interesting to me. I think uh, this space is also heating up. So an antibody, Dan, is shaped kind of like the letter Y, like a, a uppercase Y. So it has these three arms on it, right? Um, and you know, traditional antibody drugs are, are some of the you know most successful drugs in the world. I think uh, like five of the top ten best drug sellers globally by revenue are are antibodies. I think might even be more than five. Um, so you know, tens of billions of dollars in annual revenue. Um, but there's this next generation, um, you know, technology for which is called bispecific. So, in a traditional antibody drug, the ones that are on the market now, they link up to one receptor, whether that's on an immune cell or on, you know, uh, somewhere in an inflammation pathway or on a, on a cancerous tumor, right? Um, so they link up to one of those targets. A bispecific, as its name implies, is engineered to actually target two different things at the same time. So maybe it can link up to an immune cell and, you know, some part of a cancerous cell. Um, and maybe even, you know, so it affects more of the underlying biology. It can affect, you know, uh, how your immune system responds or rallies to that specific mutation. Um, you know, so these are, uh, kind of like the next evolution of our understanding of antibodies. So they can allow for, you know, more potent drugs. Maybe we need a lower dose to get the same response, um, much safer drugs cause they tend to be more targeted, um, and much better, um, you know, long-term prognoses in terms of uh, mutations. Uh, cancer can't mutate off the pathway as easily when we're targeting multiple aspects of it. Um, and Max,
0: there, there's a number of companies presenting on this. What, what are some of the highlights you're going to be watching for?
1: Yeah, so there's not too many different companies in biospecifics right now. Most of the technology in terms of intellectual property is wrapped up by two companies in particular. So Zencore is kind of the leader and then there's this European company called Maris, uh, which is uh, owns most of the other IP related to this. It might even have better technology, if you, uh, depending on how you read it. They actually have a, something called uh, tri-specific antibodies, Dan. So that's uh, targeting three different receptors. Oh, I'm um, working
0: on quad-specifics. We're, 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 we're steps ahead <laughs> at the time. I, I, I'm i going to be the secret guest presenter. No, I'm not. But uh, I was going to ask you that jokingly, if tri-specifics was, was it is, coming yeah.
1: Yeah, scientists aren't uh, aren't terribly, uh, you know, imaginative when they're naming things. But like, you know, oh, bias was us, ah, specific. Yeah, same thing. Um, so Zencore is presenting data for um, four preclinical assets. And uh, it actually has a couple different drugs on the market through partners right now. Um, so it has an interesting business model. So far, it's focused mostly on licensing. Uh, so that can be a little difficult to navigate as a shareholder, you know, companies can often uh, outlicense too much of their future economic potential. Uh, that does de-risk development, but um, they also had some interesting problems and setbacks uh, within recent years of uh, some of their first generation tech didn't work out so well. It was abandoned by partners. So, so they got let go, but so looking at some of these early preclinical assets, uh, some of the next generation tech they're working on uh, will be interesting for investors. Um and then for Maris, uh, that's, again, one of the companies kind of under the radar. It's still pretty small. But very recently, they just signed this big partnership with Eli Lilly, uh, up to $1.6 billion, uh, depending on you know how it progresses, for up to three different bi-specific drug candidates. Uh, and that company is presenting data for two different assets. Uh, it's lead drug candidates called Zeno. That stands for some other longer name of an antibody drug, but I can't pronounce <laughs> it. Neither can you. So we'll just call it Zeno for now. That's what the company calls it. I like it. Um, it's targeting something called NRG1 fusion. So that's a relatively small mutation. Uh, It's not very prevalent, that means, in a lot of different cancerous tumors. But we do know that targeting fusions can be highly effective. And this is exactly the application uh, that biospecifics were made for. Um, So if that presents, you know, if they they present more data that are promising and and live up to some of the earlier data we've seen, uh, that could really put Maris on the map or maybe even, you know, give more credence to why Eli Lilly sought it out in the first place.
0: And then lastly, Max, uh, you've got Agenus. Am I saying that correctly?
1: I think it's Agenus, but I don't know. I never know how to pronounce some of these companies. I, we've had uh, members correct me on pronouncing Agenis things Agenus
0: sounds a lot more likely than Agenus. <laughs> I think that's, that, that is probably the case. Uh, but uh, I, I,
1: I covered most of these for a long time. So I know how to say most of them, but I still do look at YouTube every once in a while. Like, am I saying this correctly? Yeah, so... Um, yeah, Agenis is, uh, also presenting data. It's, um, the data it's presenting is for something called an FC engineered antibody. So it's not quite a bi-specific, uh, but actually, so the FC stands for crystallizable fragment. I don't know why they switched the letters there. That's just how biologists are. So, uh, this is actually part of bi-specifics as well. So we can engineer parts of that. Why, if we go back to the shape of an antibody, uh, to make it, you know, um, more potent, uh, have a higher uh, circulating time within the body or be more targeted and safer. Um, so the com- this data that the company uh, is presenting for, its FC engineered antibody is going to be important for indicating you know what direction it's going with because it does have a biospecific pipeline that's earlier in development. So if those data are encouraging for this asset presented at AACR, then uh, that might be good news for you know the earlier, by a specific platform in development at Agenis.
0: You are listening to the 7 Investing Podcast. I am Dan Klein. He is Max Chatzko. We are talking about the American Association for Cancer Research, which is having its annual meeting virtually next week. Uh, Max, we're going to tie this all up for investors at the end. Uh, But before we do that, precision oncology. Now, those words both mean something to me, but where are we in that and what do we expect to see at AACR?
1: Yeah, so as I tease at the top, this is one of those terms that I hate. Like everybody uses precision medicine, precision oncology, genomics, synthetic biology. Like everybody uses it, and then it just means nothing what it was you know intended to mean. Like everybody has their own definition. Um, so precision oncology, though, is about or precision medicine in general, it's about designing more selective drugs. Uh so this has to do, this is very heavy into technology platforms. So really, you know, these companies in this space are developing tech platforms that really try to understand the genetics of a cancer. So they're trying to find specific mutations uh, within a tumor that they can target. But then in order to target it, they have to screen thousands and thousands of different molecules to find something that's very selective. It's not going to go and accidentally, you know, uh, target similar looking proteins or mutations. Um, so that's the, where the precision part comes in. And companies have various ways of doing this. Um, and uh, several of the leaders are actually presenting at this conference here. So, Loxo Oncology, you have to start there. This is actually an Eli Lilly company, and it was the subsidiary that partnered with Maris that we just talked about in the last section. Um, so, anytime Loxo Oncology comes knocking on your door for a partnership, that's probably a pretty good sign for investors in terms of uh, what that company might be capable of. So, Loxo Oncology was a standalone company uh, a few years ago, it was acquired by Eli Lilly for about $8 billion. And uh, this is a leader in precision oncology just has a really good technology platform for um, screening out drug compounds and selecting really good genetic targets. So um, the company's presenting data on a, well now it's Eli Lilly presenting for multiple different assets, but uh, it has something called it's RET it's RET inhibitor. That's really what put it on the map and had to get acquired in the first place. But um, it has a couple of next generation RET inhibitors as well. Uh, again, targeting like more specific mutations. So maybe patients who've been treated with their first drug develop resistance. Uh, well, then they can come back and hit it with their a second generation drug and a third generation drug uh, to really extend, you know, um, response times or durations and help more patients really put their cancers into remission. So a very rational way of, of going about it. Uh, this company is also targeting something called a crass inhibitor. Uh, I'm sorry, a crass mutation. Um, and, and that's something that this is the most prevalent mutation in cancer tumors Dan. So, about 22% of solid tumor cancers have a KRAS mutation, and currently there are no approved drugs on the market for it. It's been a very difficult uh, mutation to target, and there's a lot of activity and uh, investment going on, you know, trying to develop drugs for this. So uh, people will see this term time and time again, if you're an investor, um, definitely one to keep an eye on in terms of, you know, how, how does the competitive landscape look and, and who's kind of uh, well positioned
0: to treat this mutation. So Max, let's bring this home a little bit for investors. Uh, If you hold shares of these companies, are you expecting, you know, these aren't buy and sell events, right? Like if there was terrible news, that would have come out beforehand. You're generally presenting things that worked would be my assumption, probably not your failures.
1: Yeah, um, exactly. So that's important to say at the top, right? Um, You know, if I mention these companies, it's not because I think, you know, buy, buy, buy. Um, These are just, uh, ways to keep track of trends and to look at the competitive landscapes within these themes. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you buy any of them. Um, but yeah, and, and this isn't really a big event for like, you know, we're not going to see any companies say, yeah, we've cured that uh, cancer with that one mutation. Um, we might get some really good data and we might get some mixed data and that's going to influence the decisions that these companies make, you know, developing their pipeline down the road. Um, but yeah, this is more of a way to again, check your thesis um, make sure you're on the right track in terms of if you're interested in these companies. Uh, maybe they're more de-risked than the market uh, is pricing them at, or, or maybe they're overvalued based on what the data say. So there's lots of different ways to go. But this is, this is really to check, you know, um, kind of like take the temperature of the room, right? What are the challenges and opportunities? And wh- what do these data mean uh, when these companies present? Where does it fit in?
0: And Max, are the bigger players in the, in this space or in healthcare in general watching this? And uh, like, is it like a Sundance film festival where acquisitions <laughs> may come out of this or partnerships?
1: Yeah. So that's the thing. Like usually when these are in person, lots of collaborations, licensing deals come out of these, these conferences and these meetings, you know, cause just face-to-face you can't beat that. Um, so we could still see that with the virtual conferences. Uh, we have seen that, you know, with like GPM or ash uh, earlier this year or during the pandemic anyway um, you know so that's something that you can't write off but' it's, it's so much harder to do when you're virtual you know it is
0: the challenge and I go to a lot of, of trade shows I probably go to somewhere between six and ten a year and the keynotes are nice the presentations are nice the show floor is great you might get an announcement that's newsworthy and good to write about but the reality is, most of the business takes place over drinks or coffee or a meal or or at a company event. It's the two people getting together and talking, that leads to people jumping companies, that leads to deals being made, that's not happening. So I give all of these conferences credit for having these virtual things, but I would say, For the most part, other than than Consumer Electronics Show, which I paid attention to sort of the news summaries, most of the conferences that I go to, I actually haven't paid that much attention other than scanning for news, because most of what I do at a convention, I think this is true in most industries, it's not what the official programming is. It really is the you're loose, you're relaxed. In my case, they're almost always in Vegas. Um, You know, everyone is having together and that's where collaboration, that's where ideas come from little bit harder to do that. I mean, we've had our Zoom happy hours as a company and they're fun, uh, but they're not the same as all sitting around a table. Uh, You know, there's all sorts of technology issues. So this might be a quieter year, but after this convention, uh, we promise we will either do another podcast or we will do a seven investing now uh, segment to to sort of wrap up the news here. Hopefully there's some really good news because a lot of us are going to get cancer or someone in our family or our circle of friends is going to get cancer. So these can be wins for all of us. Max, I'll give you the last word. Anything else we want to say about the AACR or what investors should be looking at here?
1: No, again, just to wrap it up. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, it's gonna be early stage conference and it's a scientific meeting. It's not an industry meeting, you know? So that does color it a little bit differently. Uh, like you said, I mean, I go to a lot of industry conferences as well. And those actually have like specific partnering, you know, uh, time slots and things baked into those schedules. Um, not so much here, but there is a lot of that, you know, cross-pollination of ideas. Uh, there's already some tabs and, and collaborations behind the scenes with, you know, researchers at different companies and everyone's kind of aware of what's going on. But uh, yeah, so it might be a quieter year. In terms of acquisitions or partnerships. But um, for investors, at least, you know, again, good way to double check your thesis, make sure companies that you're interested in are, are moving on the right path. Um, or maybe there's something else that gets discussed at this meeting that, you know, kind of shows that another way that a lot of people are trying to, uh, you know, target cancer or cell therapy might not really be positioned for the future. Um, so lots of different insights that can come out of this conference, Dan.
0: So in biotech in general, don't make investing decisions based on a news story. Really look to someone like Max. His his seven investing picks are often in this space. Look at the underlying story, and and again, we this might be companies that are in very very early stages, and they might get acquired, and that tends to be good for investors, but it all it also sort of ends the story. Uh, they might get big, but don't see something on CNBC three days into this conference and not to pick on them or really any (laughs) CNN, any news site out there and go, oh my God, this company has it because one, the vast majority of people reporting on this are not scientists. So they are not really fit to filter this. That's why we promise we will come back again and talk about this and any real uh, news that comes out of this. We will make sure the seven investing audience has it with that uh, we've reached the end of the 7 Investing podcast. We are 7 Investing. We are empowering you to invest in your future. I am Dan Klein. He is Max Chasco. I almost thank Sam Bailey, but she's not actually producing behind <laughs> the glass here. But hey, thanks Sam anyway. Some of the people watching are brought in by our marketing department, which she leaves. We'll see you soon. 7investing podcast. I am Dan Klein. I think this might be my first time actually hosting the 7investing podcast. I am joined today by Max Chasco. We just taped 7investing now, uh, and now we are jumping back on. We're going to talk about the American Association for Cancer Research, an organization I have known existed for a couple of hours maybe. That is the AACR. They're having their annual meeting. Max, I'm going to assume this is a group that's against cancer. They're trying to end cancer. They're not trying to advance it. But that is how little I know you are the subject matter on this one.
1: Yeah. So the uh, AACR is an annual meeting. It's a scientific meeting. And this year it's being held virtually, of course. uh, But it starts this Saturday, April 10th. And it runs through next
0: Thursday, which is uh, April 15th. So in a normal year, what does this meeting look like? Uh, These virtual conferences, we'll get to that in a second, are a little bit weird, but what does it look like in a normal year?
1: Yeah, so normally, uh, you know, this is a great place for cross-pollination of ideas. And for this specifically, it's very heavy into the science. Um, So it's where, you know, academic researchers, maybe there's some uh, major medical research centers, definitely companies and industry are there. They're presenting their data on kind of the frontiers of science, right? So Uh, We face these challenges when we're trying to develop new cancer treatments. Uh, Everybody gets together in a room and discusses what they've learned, their ideas for engineering ways around those obstacles, um, and what looks the most promising, what do we think was promising a few years ago that maybe we're abandoning or moving in some new direction. Um, So it's really important for looking at the frontier of what's going on in research.
0: So what's the goal of presenting it? Because I know if I'm a company and I'm working on you know, a, a cancer cure, I'm not entirely sure I want to tell another company exactly what I'm doing. So how do they balance sort of the, the science and obviously collaboration can help, but there, there's an underlying business here as well. So how, how does that play out in this type of setting?
1: Yeah, so that's a good question. A lot of this though is, is uh, once, once you're presenting at these conferences, um, you know, you already have the asset and the intellectual property around it pretty well protected. Um, you know, so if you're presenting research, that's your asset, that's your chemical compound or your cell therapy now, uh, you know, and you're advancing that into, you know, preclinical studies and, and clinical trials. So at that point, you know, there's certain things you can do to design trials that get you better data or data more quickly, um, whether that's enrolling the, the right patient populations, right. But at, at, once you're here, it's kind of the science takes over, you know, so did you do your your drug design and discovery correctly? Um, and then it's just kind of how does it compare to your peers and your competitors and what's going on?
0: Is this a conference you've, you've physically attended or have you only covered it remotely?
1: Yeah, I've never been to this scientific meeting, so I've only ever covered this remotely.
0: Do you expect big announcements to come out of it? it? It seems like every time there's one of these giant medical conventions that we do seem to see like major advances in sometimes theoretical work. Like it's not, I don't expect like the cure for cancer on day two of this, but you might see somebody come out and say, uh. You know, we have something that can make this 8% more effective or a new delivery method or what it is. Do you expect there to be big news in this weird virtual version of a conference?
1: Yeah, so that's true too. Like the virtual uh, conference thing, it is a lot different than, you know, being in the same room as scientists together. You know, there's a lot more collaboration that goes on, maybe even more partnerships if you're a company or even working with a a research institution. Uh, So the virtual uh, aspect does take a big bite out of it. Um, in terms of what announcements could be made, you know, this isn't the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference. This isn't ASH. Those are two of the bigger conferences in healthcare technologies. Um, this is more focused on uh, earlier stage research, but it's also again the first look at some of these new technology platforms or new pipelines or new companies. Um, so, depending on how what they present, um, you know, and if, if the market likes that, and especially it's all relative. So, how does it compare to what other peers are doing? Um, you know, we could see some pretty big movements next week in the stock market, at least in terms of, okay, maybe this is a little less risky than we thought it was before. But mostly, this um, is about, you know, earlier stage research and uh, asking more questions
0: than, than presenting data. We're going to talk the investing angle in a little bit. But I, I want to set the table a little bit here, because obviously, cancer has touched probably everybody, you know, uh, you know, I, I have, uh, a cousin who uh, recovered from breast cancer. I have a cousin actively battling leukemia right now. He's well-maintained, but it's something he'll deal with his whole life unless uh, science advances to the point where he doesn't have to. How big is this market? Because it does seem like there's an awful lot of money being thrown at the problem, which is a great thing none of us want to get cancer. None of us want to go through a relative with cancer or friend even.
1: Yeah. So uh, every year there's nine and a half million deaths globally from cancer. I actually saw a stat. It was maybe uh, 3% of individuals age 50 and older have any type of cancer. Uh, so obviously, it's very prevalent. Um, you know, and that, that um, you know, fatality statistic includes 600,000 deaths just in the United States. So, um, but, you know, we've seen a lot of promise and a lot of uh, advances here in recent years. And, you know, we have a deeper understanding of biology. Um, you know, we have better tools now for for looking at the genetics of it, genomics, different other omics. Um, so we are designing and developing better tools, more selective tools. So we are gradually seeing, uh, you know, improvements in, in, you know, survival rates and treatment rates. And sometimes, uh, you know, in very specific instances, we are seeing, you know, um, complete responses. So that's kind of what we call cures, but, uh, scientists don't like to call it that. So, uh, so, you know, the, the future is always promising, Dan.
0: I, I have an uncle that, uh, I won't go into a specific cancer, but he, uh, You know was basically given a get your affairs in order and ended up in a drug trial and has been not cured because it's still there but you know has the prospect of a significantly longer life if not the prospect of that not being what kills him uh so you know that is very encouraging let's talk a little bit about this for investors because so theoretically on monday company x could come out and say uh, here's our, our developmental pipeline here's what we've tested it works this well, and everyone's really excited and the stock goes up. But then on Wednesday, somebody else could present better data, right? So as investors, we have to be a little bit cautious on making moves during the convention. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, exactly. And um, so yeah, data will be relative compared to peers and what else is out there, maybe even academic research, right? Uh, could pull everybody in a different direction. Um, you know, And also, um, because of the early stage nature of the data that are going to be presented. Uh, if this does have a large move uh, or a large, you know, pe- factor uh, impact on stocks uh, maybe that's a bit of an overreaction, right? Cause a lot of this is going to be preclinical research or very early clinical stage research. So there's still years of development ahead. Still things can go wrong, but I would encourage investors to use this as a way to maybe um, you know, test your hypotheses is this technology platform, you know, is it delivering at least at this stage of its development? Um, does it look promising? It doesn't mean game over, you made it, winner, winner, chicken dinner, but, um, you know, it, it can be a good, uh, um, you know, indication that maybe, yes, this company's on the right track and uh, it's worth a closer look.
0: I've never understood that phrase. If I win something, <laughs> I want steak or lobster. I don't want chicken. Like, I, I, I know it rhymes, but but that one has never, you know that has never worked for me. So as an investor, this is more of like a touch point where you get sort of an update on where your investments are. It's not an end point. Is, is that sort of a reasonable way to look at it? And really this might be an entry point. It might be a, you know, a sign that something you invested in may play out. We're still talking years for most of these companies.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Hey,
0: So- I own a lot of these companies because I buy your picks every month. Um, what, sh- what should I be watching as an investor? Are there are parts of this. Uh, the cool thing about virtual conferences is, is, while plenty of it happens behind a paywall, there also tends to be more public stuff than there is at a physical conference. Uh, so what should I be watching as an investor in some of these companies?
1: Yeah, so I'll put, um, you know, in the show notes or in the article at 7 I'll, I'll put a link to the, uh, this meeting's, you know, web Uh, and you can check out all the programs there. Um, There's a lot of different themes. Again, some of it's just scientific research, um, but there's a handful of major themes that I would encourage investors to look at. Uh, So three of them that we're going to talk about here would be uh, genetic diagnostics. It seems to be a pretty big theme of this conference, and also, of course, in cancer. Uh, Next generation antibody drugs. Um, You know, there's a lot of excitement around cell therapies, and that's also a major theme at this conference. But There's some really promising next generation antibodies uh, that are in development and, um, you know, they're easier to manufacture, they're easier to administer. So I wouldn't necessarily write off antibody drugs. They're not antiquated technology by any means. Uh, Still a lot of uh, innovation happening there. And the third category would be precision oncology, which is uh, one of those terms, Dan, that gets kind of used by everyone. It means nothing, but if you know where to look at the right companies, uh, a lot of really good and innovative
0: research going on there as well. So I want to go a little deeper into these three things and and where possible, give an example of a company in that space that isn't investing advice. This could be a a company that's not doing well or not going to make it, but I just sort of want to, to set the table for where you start looking or where there might be investment opportunities. So genetic diagnostics, that essentially means Uh, the ability to look at my genes and and see what my predilections are, what I might get in some cases, what I definitely will get. Where does this stand now? How is it advancing? And and what are the big players or who are the big players in this space?
1: Yeah. So specifically in genetic diagnostics, I think the nearest term opportunity uh, for investors is something called minimal residual disease, MRD. Uh, So this is for detecting, you know, we can take a blood draw at your doctor's office uh, and we can look at the blood and see, you know, do you have different biomarkers showing that you have a tumor present in your body? And we can give you this multiple times to see, is a treatment working? You know, is your tumor shrinking? Uh, or maybe if we can see no evidence of disease, um, this is what you get every six months to see has your cancer recurred, is it coming back uh, or has the treatment been effective and you uh, still have no evidence of disease. So um, again, with better tools and, and better uh, detection diagnostics, Uh, we are getting, you know, better at uh, using this. And this is way simpler than imaging or obviously a biopsy or something, right? Uh, So it can give us a really good indication uh, to guide treatment uh, for individuals. Um, So in this case, because this is more, you know, early stage research, um, you know, we hear a lot about like genomics, right? It's the genomics revolution, this, that, and the other thing. But the reality is it's probably more accurate to say that the future is multi-omics. So genomics is the study of genes, but then there's transcriptomics, which is the study of RNA. There's proteomics, the study of proteins. Metabolomics, the study of metabolites. Dan, that's probably something for your, uh, your wearables idea for how that's going to change. <laughs> if we can you know, pick up metabolites uh, with an Apple Watch or something, right? That would probably be a metabolomics application. Uh, so maybe we can have that coming to a wrist
0: near you very soon. So let me jump in, Max. It's all of this together, all of these omics, theoretically, with just a simple blood draw, going to give us a better picture of our health, meaning that you might catch things much earlier due to biomarkers. And that, that, that generally increases survivability, right? Like if you figure out you have a cancer on day one, instead of six months in, that's really good, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a, you know, if you, the earlier you detect a cancer, it's way easier to treat because the tumor might be more localized or different treatments are more effective, um, once that's into a later stage, more advanced cancer, maybe it's spread to the lymph nodes or other parts of your body, way more difficult to treat. So we're not quite there yet, but, uh, it does look promising. It does look like we will get there eventually where, you know, maybe at your annual physical checkup with your doctor. Um, if people do that still, I don't know, uh, but you might get a blood draw every year and we just do this pan cancer, uh, profiling it's called. So that means we just look at different genes that we know, you know, are, uh, indicative of cancer. Yeah, you might be fine and healthy, have no symptoms, but maybe one year you go in, you get the blood draw and, you know, bam, hey, look, you actually have some early stage cancer. Let's go check this out. Um, you know, your survival rate going to be close to 100% and definitely, you know, in the 80%, 90% range. Um, that's way better for a lot of these cancers, you know. Um, I mean, melanoma is a good example. I've actually had something on my back removed that wasn't very good. Uh, but if you detect, you know, melanoma very early, your survival rate is almost 100%. But as soon as it spreads to other parts of your body, that drops down to, you know, as low as like 15 or 20%. So it's one of the uh, deadliest forms of cancer. Once it moves to other parts of your body, that's kind of uh, ironic because your skin's the only organ we can actually see and observe. So uh, for people to not catch this early is kind of, uh, you know, uh, ironic. But again, this is a a good example of, you know, some next generation diagnostics using genomics or these other omics um, that can really help improve prognosis.
0: And this is a major reason why Max never wears a shirt anywhere in public. He wants everybody <laughs> to know it is a real call that that if you're not going to the doctor, you should be having someone check you out because a lot of people their annual physical this year uh, was over telemedicine, meaning you're going and doing your blood work at the lab, uh, you know, but you're not getting. The doctor giving you the visual once over, which is something they normally do. So you can't look at your own back. That is really tricky to do. Um, so you you do want a partner or a good friend or, you know, not not a stranger uh, to generally, you know, check you for these things. But so are we getting to the world where, Max, do you believe we're going to make big advances? And obviously this isn't the conference where you'll see the big advances, but are you starting to see the foundation being laid for earlier, earlier detection and better treatment across all sorts of types of cancers. I know I'm digressing here. So don't take too long on this one.
1: No, yeah, absolutely. You're right. Um, You know, so there's a a couple companies that are working on, you know, next generation liquid biopsy platform. So liquid biopsy started with an easier, quote, easier problem. Uh, It's all relative, of course. So detecting, can they detect biomarkers in your blood, as well as a tissue biopsy? Um so they got to that point we have those diagnostics some of those are actually approved on the market right now. Uh and now they're working on the more difficult problems. So how early can we actually detect these cancers? Uh so those earlier detection diagnostics um, might not be here until the end of this decade. Uh and that's because the signal in your blood is very very low. Um if you have an earlier stage cancer there's not a lot of biomarkers that we can detect necessarily uh or we will have to use probably multiple types of biomarkers in order to get an accurate assessment. Um, But yeah, different companies. And I don't think as far as I've seen, these aren't uh, presenting uh, at this conference, but I think some of the discussions and some of the research and some of the, you know, discussions that are happening here uh, will influence these companies. And again, give you an indication of who's making the right investments, whether that's in-house or acquisitions or where might they need to go and acquire, build out uh, infrastructure, you know, to kind of position themselves for their future you know, so these companies are, you know, Exact Sciences, Garden Health, uh, Grail, you know, so those are the major liquid biopsy companies, but there's also other companies like Adaptive Biotechnologies. Uh, it's working on a slightly different technology platform, uh, uses T cells, but it's basically on the same idea and maybe even broader than what those other companies are. Uh, Neogenomics, Invitae, uh, a lot of different companies here are trying to look at, uh, you know, detecting cancers from the blood, whether that's minimal residual disease or, uh, early stage liquid biopsies or other tools, so definitely promising. Definitely a, a space with heavy investment, Dan. So um, this is something that uh, the conference is like key themes I think for investors here to look at.
0: I pity the fool who researches T cells, of course, which I assume are <laughs> cells taken from Mr. T. But yeah, you know, he he could clearly kick cancer's ass. I think he did. I actually think Mr. T had cancer and has since recovered. I'm being a little silly here, but I am so encouraged by all of this as talked about this, you know, I'm, I'm 47, I'm at the age where things start to fall apart. So I love the idea that there's going to be easier detection, there's going to be all sorts of medical help. And you know, it's, uh, you know, he helps those who help themselves. So you want to take yourself, you know, you want to stay in shape, you want to do the right thing, you want to do as much as you can, you don't want to go like lay out in the sun. Uh, you know, I've been been pretty diligent with, with sunblock and things like that, because I live in the center of the, you know, of the sun land. Uh, but that said, Max, you have your <laughs>